Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today my guest is Sarah Hill, CEO of Helium, which is a software product that works with VR to enable people to visualize their brainwave patterns and control their stress. It's truly an incredible product. We'll also talk about Sarah's personal journey and awareness around mental health, how you can work your mind like a muscle. It's a very unique topic. There's a lot to learn here. Let's talk to Sarah. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC DLC Drop Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right. Excited for another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. It is my pleasure to welcome CEO of Helium, Sarah Hill. Welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Great to talk to your listeners uh, and have sort of a nerdy play date, right? We, we look forward to these opportunities to chat about technology and, and all kinds of things. So appreciate the opportunity to share. Definitely. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on to give some background for the audience. Uh, we got connected through Stadia Venture. I've been involved with Stadia for a number of years. They're an amazing group of people. Uh, they're a startup accelerator who are focused on sports, esports, and tech. And so I serve there as a judge and a mentor for brands. And I got a call from Tim Hayden one day who, who heads up Stadia. And he said, John, will you do a mentor session with this company Helium? And I said, sure. I don't know what it's about. I'll look up the website. I'll talk to these people, see if I can add any value. And oh my goodness, once I got to know a little bit about what you guys are doing, I was like, this is incredible. Have to share it with the audience. And I want as many people to know about it as possible. So to start, give us us that elevator pitch. Give us that high level. What is Helium all about? Well, first off, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. And we always love to chat with people who are interested in what we're doing. So Helium, it's spelled H-E-A-L-I-U-M, like healing. And my background was as a television journalist. I spent more than 25 years in the box, covered a lot of trauma, rape, murders, homicides. We went in with the um, trauma teams in the aftermath of the tsunami in Sri Lanka and Indonesia. And ultimately, after decades, that media diet that I was consuming of all that negativity and chasing ambulances. And it makes you sick, developed an inability to sleep, which progressed to some panic attacks and ultimately developed helium for me, as well as the hundreds of thousands of people out there who struggle with anxiety. They want to improve their human performance. They want to sleep better. They want to be more focused, calm. They want to perform better, whether it be in their athletic activities, in their esports arenas, or just in, in their daily life. So got out of television. I started doing some virtual tours for a group of terminally ill and, and aging World War II veterans, actually, who weren't able to physically travel to Washington, D.C. to see their memorials. Uh-huh. So we were taking them on these VR tours in the goggles and they could feel like they were there. And cool. through that process, learned that VR wasn't just affecting their physiology. They weren't just watching it. They were feeling it. So that's a very long winded answer to your question of what is helium, but essentially in short, it's a digital for human performance. And explain a little bit about what it does. We'll get a little deeper into it at the end of the episode here, but 
or people are who heard that explanation say, I still don't know what helium is. What are people experiencing when they're using the product? It's a digital drug. Okay. In short, a digital drug that's powered by your body's electricity. So anything that captures data, whether that be a, an Apple watch or an EEG meditation headband, we use a brain link light, any kind of wearable data. Helium is ultimately like a media channel that you control by quieting your mind or lowering your heart rate. And that control is really key in learning to self-regulate your brain patterns. Right. Because when you come into these experiences, you're seeing your own EEG brain pattern displayed. Right. And as you increase your focus calm, the environment reacts to you. It's a stress animal, a jaguar. You can change the colors of the jaguar's coat according to your feelings. You increase your focus calm. That jaguar changes from a pounce agitated position. And as you soften your mind, it softens as well. It sits down right next to you in VR or AR and starts to lick its paw. So yeah. it's allowing you to see your feelings, see your focus and calm so you can learn to control it. And then also it's transforming that data from your wearables, the biometric data from your wearables that formerly we've consumed as a flat data dashboard. It's setting it out into a spatial computing environment and allowing you to see it and interact with it and actually train with it, which after all, how are you supposed to learn to control your focus and your calm if you can't actually see them? So right. uh, it's a feeling mirror of sorts. Yeah, that last part you added there, that's what I really took away. I'm not nearly as smart as you. So I maybe i it's easier for me to simplify it. But what, what I got away from it was, okay, without this product, without helium, you can't visualize your stress. And so how do you control something that you can't visualize, right? We feel it, we know, but, but what are the things that we can do to effectively lower stress? We can do, okay, I'm going to do deep breaths, but you don't know where you were and where you want to get down to or things like that. And so through data, it enables you with the VR to visualize that stress, whether that be colors, whether it be an animal like a jaguar, like you were sharing. And by being able to see where you are, a visual representation that you can understand, you can then start to learn how to control it, right? And bring it down to a healthy place. And that is so mind blowing to me. Oh my gosh. I think it's the craziest and the coolest thing in the world. So it's, it's, it's amazing that your team has created this thing. Well, I love that explanation. I I need to record this and have you explain it because you do explain it. And it, you're absolutely right. It adds gravity. Imagine lifting weights day after day and never being able to see your muscles. Wow. Right? This, this That's is a great mental, analogy too. Yeah. This is mental fitness. Just yeah. as you work out your body, so too should you work out your mind because they are both absolutely connected. You reduce your stress. You increase your working memory, which reduces the likelihood of errors that you make either in an athletic performance, in a poor management decision, and you also increase your focus. So the ability to see that is key. We are visual learners. Most yes. people are, are, are visual learners. And so to know how you're progressing is really important to for people who might not have an established mind-body connection. And there are people out there, I am not one of them, but who are highly experienced meditators, have a mind-body connection, 
and they know exactly what their mind is doing at all times. And they know if they're, it's quiet, if it's not quiet, if it's focused, if it's not focused, and they've learned to, you know, to turn that. And then those, there are those, the majority of us who aren't meditators or traditional meditators. And when people tell us to close our eyes and imagine a beautiful stream, well, we see nothing. (laughs) So (laughs) it's helpful to have that visual. And ultimately the brain believes what it sees. So you put it inside a beautiful environment, a waterfall, the brain responds in a way that your body thinks you're in a waterfall. In the headset, you see people take deep cleansing breaths, their body softens, and you know it tricks the brain into, into thinking you're somewhere else. In addition to the ability to see live in real time what your own EEG brain patterns are doing inside the screen. That's incredible. One thing that seems like perfect timing around the release of this product do you call it a product? Would you refer to that as a product or something else? I want to make sure I'm yeah, yeah, using yeah, the right absolutely. terminology. Yeah, we sell it. It's something you can pay for and consume. So yes, it is media, uh, software. It's a software product. Good, just making sure. So what I think is amazing is two things have aligned at the perfect time for this to result in success uh, and to get it to the point that you've gotten it to. And one is technology right? Is VR technology and the ability to measure and then to show uh, your eyes, what you're feeling or what your brain is doing. And then the other, just as importantly, is the awareness of mental health and the acceptance by communities to say, hey, it's not taboo anymore. It's not something that you have to hide or, or strong men don't feel this way or what have you. I think young people, I, I see it in my industry, in the esports industry with gaming, uh, a lot of streamers are very open about mental health and the, the struggles that they have. And this is one of these things that by just stuffing it, by hiding it, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And so it's really neat that you've come to this cross section of technology and awareness of the core issue to enable your product to thrive. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I work with a great team that enables me to do that. And a lot of the individuals on our team also struggle with anxiety, which is a great strength of of ours, that we have the ability to understand exactly what kind of content we need, we need to be creating. And you are correct in that we're seeing the confluence of a variety of different technologies. Not only, you know, this is the stress Olympics right now, right? Not all of us, not all of us have trained, have trained for it. Good point. And so these are drugless solutions. You have the confluence of, of the stress Olympics. You have the rise of wearables. There are 200, more than 250 million people right now who have wearables. And each year from whoop bands, Fitbits, you know, R rings, the halo band with what, what Amazon is coming out with, that yeah. market is getting larger and larger. And the wearables are just, you know, going to get more plentiful. What are you going to do with all that data? Right. It's all, you know, on a flat data dashboard. Yay. There's a number, you know, this takes the theory of a ring on an Apple watch and adds huge gravity and importance to it because it's not just, you know, flat sequestered on your wrist. It's actually out there in the, the environment. 
and you can interact with it and almost have a relationship with your feelings of focus and right. calm as, as odd as that sounds. And then you also have the rise of spatial computing environments. The world is no longer flat. It's becoming a place that we step into, even on your mobile device, even without goggles, you can walk through just on your phone, a magic portal inside Helium, and then be inside another magical kingdom that's spatial. And then, you know, the other thing that you have coming up right along with that is consumer EEG. It used to be that you used to have to go into a hospital with this cap with all this gel and they would glue electrodes to your head if they wanted to be able to capture brain patterns, right? Or they would, would sometimes do diagnostic tests for seizure activity that way. Now you're seeing the ability to capture brain patterns on something very simple as an earbud. Wow. Uh, Focus. Focus has some earbuds, EEG earbuds that are coming out. We're excited about that because we're a content company right. for, for your EEG. There are also, you know, forehead straps, BrainLink Light makes a forehead strap that we use inside Helium as well. They're not diagnostic anyway. They're not going to tell you whether you're a positive or negative person. They're not going to tell you whether you're depressed. And they are certainly not a replacement for psychotropic medication or professional counseling, which is yeah. one of the best things that you know, we can, we can do for ourselves, but as a self-awareness tool and a training tool, it is the ability to see those neurological muscle muscles and some of those uh, different areas that you would have the opportunity to train, to strengthen it and become more, more self-aware of. And so the rise of, of, of consumer EEG and the other thing that's also, you know, rising at the same time is 5G. And how 5G is enabling more real-time data capture. And you you can stream better in AR and VR environments. You don't have to download native apps. And the delay from the sensor to getting into the app is is less because it's not having to go up in in so many areas and and come down again. So Helium is at the, as a product, is at the intersection of all of those different areas. And we're excited about that because it it provides us with the opportunity to, to help more people. Yeah, that's really incredible. I'm just so blown away here. I th- usually I'm pretty, a little more animated and outgoing. I'm just wrapping my mind out of, around everything that you're saying. So a little more clarity on the product as well. Does Helium create any physical products or are you the content that sits on someone else's VR sensors, things like that? Correct. We are the content company that works with hardware agnostic wearables. So anything that captures data, we have the ability to add a biometric control with it. And it's not just the, the content. We are also the technology on the back end that allows you to modify and recommend that content on the basis of, of, of biometric inputs. That's cool. I, I've had someone else on the podcast, Susan Paley. She's this was the first CEO of Beats by Dre. That was the CEO of a haptic technology shoe company called Drop Labs. And yeah. her whole career experience, uh, similarly, is about the software rather than the hardware. And when a lot of people are looking for a hardware solution, you actually, maybe it's instead or maybe it's complementary, you looked at a software solution. There's so much flexibility I think uh, that's the power of the iPhone and the Tesla as well. You know, these are not just hardware solutions. These are software solutions that can be continually updated. And I think that 
probably puts your company in a, a great space because you can kind of move around and be maybe adaptable or relevant to the best hardware rather than be reliant on innovating that piece as well and hoping it's adopted, right? Absolutely. It makes us um, nimble as a company to be able to quickly iterate as those hardware solutions come out. And we know that we won't always have to strap a, a watch or a headband or an earbud to us in order to capture biometric data. There's technology out there right now that I've experienced that can point something at you and get your heart rate. Um, matter yeah. of fact, they're testing that in vehicles right now to be able to, to, to detect if in, in automatic vehicles, whether or not someone is actually in the car by being able to de detect their heart heartbeat without even touching oh, wow. them. Yeah. And, you know, you're seeing that in, in phone sensors as well. There are phone uh, sensors and you can uh, capture a, a great amount of biometric data from your uh, face even. Yeah. And your finger on the back of back of the camera. So the whole you know concept of wearables will in hardware wearables may you know be a, a dated thing as that those sensors are baked into the our fabrics. They're uh -huh. coming out with bioskin tattoos. You know that 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 can capture some similar similar things, and it's starting in the telehealth arena and then, you know, slowly making its way to the, the, the consumer world. Wow. That's incredible. It's like a whole world that I was not even aware of, um, aware of some of it from a marketing standpoint, you know, we're always looking for more data and things like that, but this is a whole nother level. Well, I'm really interested, you know, you said you, you used to be a reporter and a news anchor for a number of years. What was the path so take me to the beginning of when you're thinking about helium, you became aware of mental health, like you said, due to your own experience. Were you super familiar with VR? Were you super familiar with these wearables as well? Or was that something that as you went down this path to figure out how to help yourself, you discovered these tools or, or you collaborated with somebody who was already aware? What was that journey like? Yeah, what you just said in my search to try to discover some drugless solutions to help myself, I tried medication, made me feel feel weird. And, and medication does work for a lot of people, but it, it was not something that I could deal with that that had the side, the side effects. And my primary issue, issue was sleep. When you're not sleeping, your body short circuits, and then it's just, you know, oh, it yeah. cascade, cascades down from, from there. And so my husband is a, a psychologist. Okay. And he, he's no longer, longer pra practicing, but he had a business partner who just then, and this was, you know, more than 15 years ago, uh -huh. he said, you need to talk to Jeff. That was his business partner. He said, he's doing this weird stuff with, he calls it neurofeedback. And like, you glue these electrodes on his head. He's like, I don't understand it, but people say that it, you know, that it, it really works. You should check out what he's doing. And so you know, I was desperate to try to find something that would allow me to learn how to calm my mind. Oh, wow. And yeah. Stop all of those ruminating thoughts. And so I, I you know, reached out uh, to Jeff and he wrote a neurofeedback protocol for me. And back then in the day of neurofeedback, I literally had to glue electrodes on my forehead <laughs> and, and take home this big laptop and yeah. watch these incredibly boring experiences of a plane moving up and down 
And I had to learn how to self-regulate my brain patterns by keeping this plane in a certain direction. And I was, you know, I was, I was bored. I would come up with stories, Sarah, cool your jets, you know, try to, you know, make it a little bit more engaging for me. And those were the beginnings of wanting to, you know, redefine neurofeedback into something that is more visual is story driven because story is how we learn. It's how we make sense, make sense of the world and also spatial to Mm. truly give you this sensation that you're not viewing that experience through the filter of a laptop screen or mobile device that you're actually inside it and interacting, interacting with it. And so after, you know, I had been creating these VR experiences for these veterans and Jeff, you know, my husband's business partner who also helped me with learn neurofeedback, you know, used it after a few weeks and I was able to sleep. I was able to learn how to stop those ruminating thoughts because I learned how to calm calm my little airplane that was on, on the screen. And he reached out to me. He said, Hey, I, you know, what you're doing is cool. I wonder if we could, you know, incorporate neurofeedback technology into those spatial computing environments to allow those, those veterans to actually see, you know, the, how the experiences are affecting their physiology. And at the time that was very interesting to us. And this was, you know, more than, than five years ago, at least Uh because we were noticing in, in the VR tours, we were giving these individuals that they were reacting in in a very similar and profound way. It appeared to us as if their bodies were relaxing, their heart rate was slowing, but we didn't have any data to prove that. And so Jeff did a whole brain map on, on someone's brain via EEG that you could see exactly how their brain patterns were literally changing in this, this four minute experience. Wow. And he sent me back this picture of this brain with the fast activity versus the floor, the slow activity in four minutes. It's like, holy cow, look how that is having a profound impact. Now imagine wow. if they would have the ability to actually learn how to do that all the time by seeing their brain patterns and and relax. So it was a great collaboration with his phenomenal expertise. Definitely check out Dr. Tarrant and what he's doing at Helium. Uh, He's our chief scientist and he also has the Neuro Meditation Institute. And at its core, those are the protocols that Helium is based on. It's called Neuro Meditation. That's and, incredible. Uh, I'm a storyteller, so obviously, you know, the content we create is is story story driven and spatial, and works with your your biometric data. Yeah, I think this is so cool because you're at the cross section of all of these different things that have enabled this to come to life. You have your own life experience, very difficult. You're you're searching for a solution to your sleep and to your own stress. Your husband just so happens to have a business partner who does this sort of a thing. I assume there's a store nearby that sells glue. It's another cross section. Hopefully it's not super glue. I don't see any scars. So I I think you must have. They uh, they wiped off. And now you don't even need glue for the the EEG headbands. It's all uh, dry sensors. Yeah. And then, so answer me this, getting to the CEO, the CEO role, were you still a reporter at this time or did you leave that job due to the stress that you were experiencing? Yeah, I left the job due to, due to the stress that I was experiencing. 
and went to work for another another great company. But ultimately, the, the TV stations that I worked for, they were great and they supported me in phenomenal positions. It was my detriment and my doing that the media diet that I chose to consume, oh, yeah. you know, in, in our, you know, media world, there is positive fiber and, and negative fiber and sure. not also social media is, is, is bad, not in, in the least. And I don't want to convey that you need that information to keep you safe. You need the information from media to know you, to tell you who to vote for, to tell you that there's a child molester that lives next door to you, that there's a tornado coming, you know, pandemics, all the information that you need to keep you safe. Right. However, if you are constantly bombarding yourself with that negativity of that, he said, she, she said violence, whatever, that breeds anxiety in yourself and can in itself create ruminating thoughts. So you are uh, essentially what you consume in the media. And I had not developed a good media diet because I, you know, I couldn't, I had to read and, and, and cover that stuff, you know, day after day. And you can't, you could not escape from it. But only when I left journalism, did I discover how to add positive fiber in my media diet via, via some of these beautiful places. Um, and not only beautiful places in virtual and augmented reality, but reality, like there's no replacement for going out in nature and right. downshifting your nervous system that way. It's just that we package it in a way, not only for people who can't physically travel, but sometimes, you know, getting out in, in the world or even going to a waterfall in South America uh, yeah. every day to do your mental fitness workout, you know, is, is not something that you can, you can do in, in person. So I did leave the, the, the career media information and transitioned into a career of media therapy. Very interesting. You know, I've never thought before about the standpoint of the reporter who's reporting all of this stuff. We talk a lot, I think, about people who are watching the news and, oh, don't watch the news every night or don't consume certain social media, don't watch all this political stuff because it's going to bum you out or it's going to drive you crazy. But speaking with you now, it's the first time that I've thought about, wait, the people who are bringing the stories to the public you're probably even more affected because you have to research it, make sense of it, and then share it with the audience, which is a lot more steps than just consuming it. Yeah, it's not a matter specifically for the reporters of just reporting on it and watching on it because that's an on and off switch that as a viewer, you, you see it, you consume it. Yes, it saddens you. Right. Um, but as a reporter, you literally have to step inside their shoes and almost in a way experience their pain in order to fully understand some of those stories. And and some of the toughest stories that really got me was having to interview parents who've lost children, you know, yeah. that of, of all the things that you have to have to cover. And it wasn't necessarily bodies or anything like that, but just having to interview people who've experienced such such great, great loss and you know, you do that over and over again, and it it it, it puts chinks in your armor that that take yeah. you a while to recover from. So, secondary trauma with journalists, first responders, firefighters. We work with a lot of firefighters, first responders, nurses for compassion fatigue. All of these people are are worker athletes 
mm. who they aren't just taxing their bodies, but they're taxing their minds every day with what they're having to having to respond to. And so, you know, there is a, a, a really important push right now, specifically in the wake of COVID, because a lot of these worker athletes have been pushed to the, to the max with having to respond to the, the pandemic. Yeah. And much, you know, as not not to compare them in, in, in any way, but, you know, it, it is stressful them. They do have post-traumatic stress, you know, similar to what to what a veteran might experience. They've been in combat situations sure. inside these hospitals, morgues and things like that. Yeah. Compassion fatigue. I've never heard that term before, but it makes me think that like you said, people who are reporters or policemen, firefighters, emergency personnel who are experiencing these things, similar in some ways to veterans. Obviously, we don't want to oversimplify that Mm -hmm. comparison, but it, it seems like you have two options there. Either you have a high EQ, high empathy, which it sounds like you do, where you're you're being driven crazy because you're, you're feeling what the other people are feeling in, in these, these very difficult situations. And then the other is to just shut it off and then you can't feel at all. Right. Is, are those the two scenarios or are there others that you're seeing as a result of these professions? You know, that's a really profound statement that I've never heard categorized so clearly, but yes, you're absolutely right. You either feel too much or you shut it off all, all together and you know, put, push it un, under the under the rug. And I wouldn't, you know, want to speak for you know any any of the obviously journalists. What journalists are, are covering is very different from nurses and physicians. Even there's a huge you know suicide issue with with, with physicians right now. They're they're different things, but yet they are similar. They are all pushing their mental fitness to the test in in. Yeah. in what they're dealing with and and having to convey, you know, to families on a, on a daily basis. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine either. And, you know, not everybody, it's probably a minority of the population who experiences those things, right? Not everybody's a doctor or a policeman or a reporter. But one thing you, you mentioned earlier, we've kind of gone through the stress Olympics in 2020 with COVID. I was having a conversation with one of my good friends, Matt Edelman of Super League Gaming, just yesterday. And, you know, we're talking about esports production stuff, and but we're also friends. And so he brought up, he said, oh, we were talking about going back to work because he's in California and California's going to open up around June 15th. I don't know if this episode will air before or after that. But we're talking about getting back into the office and what that means. And he sent me a link to a chart And the chart was, this is your brain on Zoom. And Mm -hmm. the difference, there's a lot of differences working at home, right? I work at home. I worked at home since September, 2019, and I love it. But I'm an idea guy. My brain is going a mile a minute. And I feel at the end of the day, I feel exhausted. You know, even though I haven't really done much physical activity outside of maybe go for a walk every now and then. But he said... John, when you go into an office, you have downtimes built into your schedule. Number one, okay, I'm going to take an hour lunch, right? Everybody's going to lunch, so I'm going to lunch. Uh, We all know that one of the common things with working from home is if you work from home, it's hard to stop working because you're kind of always working. 
I have a dedicated office that I feel very fortunate to have, so I can kind of leave work there. But yeah, I still always have my phone with me. I'm going to respond to an email or I'm going to answer a call. But the other thing you said, you know, even the process of walking to a meeting, a meeting room and, you know, having your meeting and then the meeting is done and then you walk back to your desk and then you're doing a different activity or something. He showed these blue gaps throughout the day. He said your normal day in an office, you've got these high yellow red moments, which are the high intensity thinking, maybe stressful moments, but then you have these breaks in between those. And he was saying working at home, it was just all red and yellow, just spiked to the max with no gaps. And he was like, John, we need these blue gaps. We need these downsides. And so I, what I'm trying to express here is, well, not everybody who's listening has had these traumatic experiences that you've uh, shared as a reporter or a police officer or what have you. We've all dealt with a crazy year and a half and many of us from working home or, or, or not working at home, which can be even more stressful. Do you, do you have any tips for people in the audience who are, I mean, obviously helium, we want to plug the product and we want to uh, encourage people to use it, but man, we're all dealing with a lot. And when you're, when your mind isn't in the right place, when you're struggling, when you're stressed out, your performance is going to be affected. Your work is going to be affected. Your relationships are going to be affected. So I just love talking to you because it's so relevant, such a need to so many people. What are some takeaways that people can practice on their own to better their mental health, even if it's not the ideal scenario? Yeah, I, I would I would love for you to share. Maybe if you share on your social, I would love to amplify a link to that article. That would be fascinating to see what that that brain looks like. And, you know, I, I would agree. We're all on video calls. I've been on video calls since uh, early, early this morning, we call it our Zoom diaper. Right? <laughs> we got the Zoom diaper on. We just go from from one to another, and you know, rarely, yeah. rarely get breaks throughout the day. But obviously, I, I mean, helium, yes, is is a tool for training and and for self awareness and to prove your human performance. But there's no replacement for real human interaction or mm. real nature. You know, getting out in reality and actually talking to real people you know, going through trails or, you know, going on a, a run, things like that. And as yeah. far as tools is when what we, we talk with a lot of these enterprises that are coming back to work and they're like, holy cow, what do we do for our employees? And then, you know, the coming back to work, a ping pong table just, you know, I mean, doesn't really necessarily cut it uh, anymore. And the conversations that we're having is that your physical hygiene your mental health hygiene is now just mm. as important as your physical hygiene because yeah. just as you're washing your hands, if you don't wash your brain, if you will, or mm. get out the, that negative narrative from, from your head, those ruminating thoughts will make you sick. And so you need to have some good mental health hygiene practices, some drugless, non-harmful coping mechanisms in order to learn to self-regulate and also you know, downshift your nervous system in a drugless way before you go to bed at night. So you can have better sleep, better working memory, which, you know, just in increases the human performance even, even more. But I, I'm not here today to tell you that our product is the only thing you need to do. Of course. It is a 
a spectrum of, of different and one tool in your toolkit that you have beside, besides reality, or maybe it's professional counseling, or maybe even it's, it's a medication or lunch with a friend, but yeah. you, we, we really need to be identifying those drugless, non-harmful coping mechanisms so that when we get in a stressful situation, we're not tempted to reach for something that is harmful. That's a good point. And I'm curious if, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you have a background in this or if you have data. So if not, just say so. But you know, we talk about these Zoom calls and everything. It's, it's stimulating our brains like crazy, right? And so it's like our brain is on fire. But I would also say that our cell phones and our mobile devices do very much the same thing. In fact, I've actually given a TED Talk on the dangers of instant gratification and the benefits of delayed gratification, how it can result in success. But at the same time, I'm, I'm sometimes finding myself taking a break from Zoom by getting on my phone. And as we're talking now, I'm guessing that that's not giving my brain a break, even though that's hitting some endorphins because I'm like, oh, someone liked my post or something like that, right? What have you learned about just getting the technology completely away from you? Is that something that's vital or is that something that's less important? So there's a great documentary called The Social Dilemma. Yeah. And that, you know, I enjoyed it and it really opened my eyes. It's on, it was on Netflix. I'm, I'm not sure if it, it is anymore, but, but the basic premise behind it is that, you know, our social media feeds are what the AI has determined the algorithms, algorithms will be. Yeah. And to me, that really, you know, spoke and resonated with me as it relates to your media diet and how, you know, you have the ability to control it. And, you know, some people, it, it, they have to have to turn it all to, off altogether and to get to that piece. But for our products, you know, the thought of addiction yeah. to a device or even a technology, whether it be a virtual reality headset or a software product like Helium, that's not necessarily, that is not something that we want to take steps towards. And so if you watch that documentary, you'll notice that it, it's kind of rethought in my brain. Well, how do we think about push notifications? Mm. I mean, is this a product that you really want to push, you know, uh, yeah. someone to do, or should it just be a tool much like your little of something that can help you in your medicine cabinet that's there, right? That if you feel like you need it, you need to take a helium, well, you can have it, but you're not getting push notifications. Do you need some Tylenol? You know, are you sure <laughs> you, you right. don't have, have, have a headache? So the theory of the concept of addiction to not just our devices, but to software and beautiful things yeah. and, you know, also raises the awareness of, are we creating this experiences in such a way that the virtual reality is more beautiful than the reality and that we're encouraging <laughs> Great people, point. you know, into spend more time in virtual reality, which is the whole, you know, premise behind the, the, the metaverse and ready player one and all of that. But you raise a great point to which I don't have an answer. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's so great that you have, you know, sometimes when we don't have an answer, at least we're aware of the potential issue. Right. And I think what you're saying is you don't want to create a solution that's worse than the problem. And it always, not when it's serious, but it, it cracks me up sometimes when I see a solution 
from whether it's the government or whether it's a company and they're like, we're fixing this. And then it actually makes things worse as a result. But it's great that you have that on your radar to say, okay, we want to have something that is helpful, that is beneficial. And I think a lot of it is folks, moderation, everything in moderation, right? I mean, we are not in any way saying, hey, be on helium all day long in the same way that we're very clearly saying, don't be on Zoom all day long or don't be on your cell phone all day long. And I think it's cool that you're taking something, technology, just about anything can be used for good or bad, right? So you're taking technology and you're saying, hey, we're going to help make this be part of the solution rather than part of the problem, which I think is incredible. We're almost out of time here for this episode, but because my background is in gaming and esports, you and I talked a little bit about how Helium can have a gamification or, or have an application to the gaming esports world. Why don't you share a little bit about that? And I'd love to kind of give my thoughts on how you guys are doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So we're involved in a few different pilots right now. And obviously working memory is key in the esports world. Yeah. You've increased working memory, reduced the likelihood of errors in, in, in gameplay and in, in regular life. So the ability to use Helium not only pre-gameplay in order to get your mind in the zone, mental, mental stress, you know, I, I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know, mental stress as it relates to esports athletes has been shown to be, you know, just as high as the pressures on, on professional athletes. Yeah. And so it not only takes a toll on the gameplay, but in, in regular life. So just equipping people with these games that you play with your body's electricity, it's not necessarily a formal therapy, not talk therapy or anything like that. It's a game that you play and the added benefit of there just happens to be some clinical validation that it can improve your mood yeah, and improve your focus, reduce tension, increase feelings of happiness quickly and in, in as little as four minutes. And, you know, that's how, how we're trying to portray it. You know, certainly with youth and young adults, we call them yaya generation, 18 to 24 year olds. Uh -huh. who through our research and others has been shown that these tools are more effective on that younger population than they are on the, the older population. And also after gameplay, the ability to quickly downshift your nervous system, not just for uh, professional e-athletes, but also their enthusiasts as well. The people who are watching them on the, the live streams that may struggle with an inability to sleep or a lack of focus. Again, a drugless, non-harmful coping mechanism. It's a walk in the park for those times when you can't physically take a walk in the park. That's incredible. And that's, I see the benefits, obviously, for pro gamers. You're getting ready to compete in a tournament. You have all the stress, all these expectations, just like traditional sports athletes, right? It's like, oh, you have the super team. Everybody's expecting you to win the championship or... Maybe you've lost a few steps. Maybe you're a veteran and you're, you're trying to keep hanging on to your career. You're saying, I don't want to let this go yet. Looking for every opportunity to give yourself an opportunity to perform at the highest level. And, you know, we're seeing these, these tournament prize pulls for millions and millions of dollars. So I absolutely see the opportunity and the importance there. From the gamification standpoint, what I love, I have a few friends who are pro gamers and what people who have this type of mind do is they try to break games or they 
see games at a deeper level. In fact, I have a pool table at my house that I love to play on. Now and then I invite people over so that I can destroy them. But I had a couple of friends come over who are, they're not pro gamers, but they're gaming influencers. And there was the three of us playing and we're playing a, a game uh, called Cutthroat. Everybody has balls assigned to them. You try to knock everybody else's balls in and it's a super fun way to have three people play pool at the same time. Well, these jerks who I formerly called friends, you know, they've got this gaming mind and so they were strategizing on how to essentially <laughs> break the game. And even though I was a little more seasoned as a billiards player, they were kicking my butt because they figured out the game that overcame my skill on the table. And so, no, I just think a lot of people who, who have that mindset, who have that approach and love developing those strategies would love to utilize your product and use it for fun with some great complimentary benefits at the same time. Absolutely. And we would love to give anyone a free trial. So feel free to, to reach out to me. My email is Sarah with an H at tryhelium.com. Helium is spelled H-E-A-L-I-U-M. Would love to get these tools in your hand to play with to see if it, it adds value for you. Or Absolutely. Your team. Absolutely. I was just going to ask that question. So is reaching out to you and doing a trial, is that the way currently that people have the opportunity to experience this? Or are there, are there other ways for them to to purchase it or, or, or that sort of a thing as well. Yeah, it's in the market right now. So you can go to our e-commerce site at tryhelium.com slash buy and purchase a software subscription, either in augmented reality, just on your mobile device, if you don't have a virtual reality headset, or you can get Helium on your Oculus Go, your Oculus Quest 1, Quest 2, your Pico Goblin VR headset, and we'll be on Vive. Cool. And Vive Pro very soon. Awesome. And then do you have, I assume you guys have social channels for people to check it out before they do uh, follow through with purchasing or, or the demo. Uh, please share where people should connect with you on social. Yeah. Our, check out our Instagram reels at Helium XR. We're also on Facebook and, and Twitter. And if you want to see what our stores are like, if you go to tryhelium.com slash stories, you can actually see in 2D form what it is in a spatial computing environment, either inside the headset or in augmented reality on your mobile device. That's amazing. Well, Sarah, I so appreciate you joining us. I appreciate you. I, you, uh, you have wonderful insight and thank you for your interest and opportunity to share. Absolutely. So everybody definitely follow Sarah, definitely follow Helium and don't forget that while you're more working out your muscles and you're working on your physical fitness to work on your mental fitness as well. Once again, this is the CEO of Helium, Sarah Hill on the DLC Drop Podcast. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futurai Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review. 